Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe. Now what? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another wonderful episode of I Believe. Now what? I'm your host, Tim Perko, and today we are going to be diving into a wonderful, wonderful subject that comes up in a lot of different places, a lot of different churches, and a question that a lot of Christians have, new and old, and that is, should we tithe? And if you already know the answer to that, then the question comes up, how much do we give? Well, Today we're going to go ahead and tackle those issues from a biblical standpoint and we're going to use the Bible and try to come up with maybe an idea that this can give you of should I tithe? Is tithing and offering the same thing? And if I do want to do this, how much do I give? Well, let's go ahead and tackle that subject. Let's go ahead and first open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, today as we do this podcast, we record it, and we come to you ultimately as the final authority. You are the final authority for everything that we do, Lord. We pray that as we read your word and we go through the Bible, Lord, that you just show us what you want us to see, Lord, that we erase all these preconceived notions that are inside of our head and just let the Spirit do the talking, Lord, and decipher what it is that we are looking at in your word and ultimately We can come up with this answer in our own conscience through the Spirit, Lord, the answer that you want us to see. Thank you so much for everything you do, Lord, and thank you so much for making this possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, with that, and let's get into it. Okay, so obviously, this is a topic that is super controversial. It is. It's one of those things, and you're going to hear... A multitude of people have different opinions, especially when it comes from the pulpit to the pew. You know, on the pulpit, a lot of times, you know, not every church, but some churches do beat up a little bit on tithing and offering and giving. It especially depends on what denomination you're a part of. I'm not going to go into the denomination thing because I don't really want to shut anybody down. But, you know, some denominations do tend to put a bigger emphasis on tithing or on offering than others do. Some churches will give a spiel on tithing before the tithe or before the offering. Other churches don't even mention it at all. They'll just say, all right, if anybody has any offerings, you know, you can go ahead and drop it in a little basket in the back. Or maybe they'll have, you know, some of the church ushers stand up there holding the offering buckets. Who knows? Every church does it a little bit different. And they can derive what they do, hopefully, from the Bible. Now, we're going to go through this and really feel how you see how you should feel there. Because the last thing you want to do is sit there in the pew, sit there in your chair at church, and listen to your pastor, your associate pastor, whoever the authority is up there, given that message on tithing and offering and what you should do. The last thing you should do is just sit there and accept it as word. Remember, I, I, I'm pretty huge on this. The, uh, the pastor while you should respect him, has no authority over your life whatsoever. The only person that can claim authority on your life is Jesus Christ. Now, with that being said, you shouldn't go crazy and create a ruckus in your church and cause a whole bunch of disruptions. Instead, you you bring that up in a very tactful way if you disagree with them on something. Because I'm sure every pastor in the world, if you're a pastor listening to this, you could sit here and say you've 
just about every Sunday, you probably have somebody coming up to you and be like, you know what, you didn't, you really didn't do a great job on that, Pastor. That's not biblical, what you just said. You know, Everybody's a critic. Everybody's a critic. But there's somebody that's got to be up there and take those hits for people, whether it's true or not true. So this isn't to dig on your pastor. This isn't to dig on any pastors out here listening to this. This is more so of us just going through the Bible and seeing what the Bible actually says about tithing and offering. So, very first thing, let's go ahead and identify the question, all right? The question is, should we tithe? And if we should tithe, how much should we give? And then the second question that we'll answer along the way too is, is there a difference between tithing and offering, or is it the same thing? All right, so before we start really getting into the meat and potatoes part of those questions, let's go ahead and go over the common assumptions that we hear with tithing. And yes, I pulled these assumptions off of Google. I typed in common questions about tithing and I just literally put tithe and I saw a plethora of questions pop up on YouTube or not YouTube, but on a uh, Google. Amazing, amazing tool. So some of the assumptions, Jesus talked about tithing, so we have to tithe. I've heard lots of people say that one. Uh, If I give a lot of money, God will return it back to me. And maybe he'll even return it back to me bigger and bless my life. That's another assumption. You can hear a lot of prosperity preachers preaching on that. Another one. My church told me to do it, so I do it. All right, that's like the blind believer, you know. The church told you to do it, so you're going to believe it and do it. Then there's uh, another one. It's under the law, so I don't need to do it. Now we're going in the reverse way. You know, there's a lot of people that quote that, you know, this is not under, this is under the law. You know, this is under the law. This is what the Jews had to do. This isn't what me as a New Testament Bible believing Christian has to do. Now, if my voices are uh, getting on your nerves, please don't let it. It's just the way I'm thinking in my head. Uh, Another one is, oh, it's not mentioned for the Gentiles. Only mentioned for the Jews. That kind of goes along with the other one that we have. So those are some of the assumptions. And I'm sure There's more assumptions out there, and hopefully we answer them all along the way. So, before we start hitting up and what the Bible said, let's go over just a couple critical facts that help break this down for you. Number one, what does tithing mean? Well, tithe literally means tenth. That's where you get the 10% from. Tithe was 10%. Tithe means 10%. Give 10%. Uh, In the Old Testament... You'll, and we'll read this once we start going over our biblical facts, but it talks about you know, storehouses and the church and the temple. A lot of those, in those days, you know, people didn't always just give monetary. They gave crops. They gave what their fields yielded because that's what they had to offer. So they would give a tenth of that. You know, they would give animals, something of that nature. It would go into the storehouses of the temple. So was tithing under the law? No, it actually wasn't. So all you people who... Are, are claiming that tithing started with the law. Tithing started with the law. No, it was actually back around, you know, before the Mosaic Covenant. And Abraham, you look back to Abraham doing it. You know, all the way back in Genesis, uh, tithing was a thing. So no, and it wasn't necessarily underneath the law um, for any of the law naysayers out there. So not, oh, I hit this up earlier. It's not, it was not always a money thing. You know, it could have been a harvest, store, polls, you know, uh, because ultimately what people were doing 
were this this money was funding the church. This gets back to the fundamentals of what the church was in those days. What I like to see the church, little you know, community churches move a little bit towards in our days is that was around helping people out. You know, people needed some food, the church gave them some food. The money was used essentially for funding the nation of Israel. It was more of a tax than a offering to the church. People didn't really view it as an offering to the church. They offered they they viewed it as an offering to Israel as the nation. It was more of a tax than it was an actual offering. That's why we see a lot of a big clear line sometimes in between tithing and offering. Uh, it's not the same thing. We're not talking about the same thing. Tithing was more of a tax while offering was usually going above and beyond. So, let's actually look at to what the let's actually look into what the Bible says. And where can we find this in the Bible? None other than the amazing book that everybody loves reading, Leviticus. So if you have your Bible out, go ahead and turn with me to Leviticus 27, chapter 27, verses 30 through 33. And if you're driving, please don't do that. Just just take my word until you can get back to a place to where you can read the Bible until then. <laughs> so we're gonna move over to Leviticus 33. Chapter 27, verse 30 through 33. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is the holy, it is holy to the Lord. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock, of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth, one shall be holy to the Lord. It shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And he, if he exchanges it all, then both of it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. So as you can see here in the words, what it's saying is the tenth one belongs to the Lord in case of the livestock or in case of any money. The, the tenth, the tithe, the tenth belongs to the Lord. What what happens with it afterwards? Honestly, I'm not 100% too, to, uh, too sure, but this is one of the few times that tithing is mentioned in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament at that, but uh, definitely in the Old Testament. So not only... Do those people in Israel, as we read in Leviticus, have to pay a tithe? But they're going to pay a tithe uh, that also funds different things. And that is coming from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 14, verses 23 through 29. Turn with me there if you're able to. So Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 through 29. And the word says, tithing principles, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the fields produce year by year, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Verse 24, but if the journey is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe, if the place where the Lord chooses to put his name is too far from you, when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord God chooses, and you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires. 
for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink. For whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice and your household. You shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. All right, so I ended up reading all the way through 27 there. Um, and then we go on to verse 28. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce and the year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no position nor inheritance with you, and that the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. And then it moves on to chapter 15, talking about the debts being canceled. But ultimately, once again, what we're getting out of that is it wasn't always a uh, mandatory, or no, not mandatory, that's the wrong word, Tim. It wasn't always a money offering. Sometimes it could be a money offering, and a lot of the times it was crops offering. That's what they wanted, and you bring it to the storehouse. And it was used not just to fund the nation of Israel for your 10%, but you could also give more because you're funding different events. You're funding different festivals that are going on. So that 10% that they were actually supposed to be giving really actually turns into like, you know, 20%. And if you start doing the math, you know, they were given over 20% of what they were being, of what they were giving to the Lord in their tithe. It was more than 10%. They were given about 20 some percent uh, as time goes on. And I didn't pull that number out of my butt. You know, I got that from some scholars that actually sat down and did the math and did the research. Uh, John Barnett is his name, if you ever want to. Look him up. He is a pastor over at Calvary Bible Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Great, great pastor. Love listening to his words. Very smart. Dude went to school for like 37 years. So he has a lot of knowledge in his head and tends to jump around all over the place. But, you know, in those nuggets of randomness that he throws out there, he has some pretty good messages. Anyways, I digress. Moving on. Uh, and then anything given voluntarily... As explained in Exodus 23, verses 10 through 11, and 1 Chronicles 29, verse 9, that, that's, that's kind of like extra. That's kind of like your offering. All right, you already gave your tithe. Now we're going to give our offering. Let's go ahead and read those verses. So we'll start off on Exodus 23, verses 10 through 11. All right, the law of the Sabbath. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce, and by the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave, what they leave, the beast of the field may eat. In like manner you should do with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days you shall do your work. On the seventh day. You shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. And in all that I have said to you, be circumspect, and have no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. And then we move into First Chronicles 29, verse 9. Then the people rejoiced, for they have offered willingly, because a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord, and King David was also rejoiced greatly. There you go. They see that they, these people are giving willingly. They are offering. This isn't part of the tithe. They're, they're, they're giving their offerings up. 
Uh, they want to give more. They're giving with a full and gracious heart, with a cheerful heart. We're going to get into what that actually means here in a little bit. The next one uh, topic that we're going to hit over when it comes to tithing is uh, the, one of the questions that kind of comes up is, so you mentioned a lot of stuff, you know, some people tell me, you mentioned a lot of stuff that's in the Old Testament. Some of it was under the law. Some of it was before the law with Abraham. What are you, what, what are you getting at here? Where's the New Testament stuff? Because if you follow dispensations, obviously you're thinking to yourself, all right, this is a different dispensation. It doesn't belong to me. And if you don't know what dispensations are, it pretty much is just a way to break down the Bible where God was talking to different groups of people at different times. That's how you understand dispensations. So when God was, you know, giving uh, all these laws that you see in Leviticus uh, and, and whatnot, he's not giving those laws to the Gentiles. Those were laws for the Jews. That was laws for the nation of Israel. It wasn't for us. Now, when we move into the New Testament and we start reading some of the things there, especially in an Acts, Romans, the the epistles from Paul, uh, all that type of stuff, you you know that's more of stuff that was meant and directed towards us uh, underneath grace. So that's how you kind of break the Bible down dispensationally. You can watch a thousand million videos on YouTube about what dispensations are and what they mean it can kind of give you a better understanding. Just watch out because some, you know, there's so many different views on dispensations out there. You got dispensationalists and hyper dispensationalists, which break it down to a whole bunch of different levels. All I know is when I read the Bible, I know I try to take it in context and I see where God is talking to. Is he talking to a specific people about this thing or is he talking to me? Is he talking to Gentiles? Is he talking to everybody? So forth and so on. So just make sure when you're reading these passages, you read it with a dispensational mindset that God is breaking down who he's talking to at those periods of time. All right. Once again, I digress. And we're going to get into this next question. Like I was saying earlier, is anyone under the covenant of grace commanded to tithe then? Since you're talking about all this Old Testament stuff. Well, let's read about it. First, we'll go to Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him and his talk. Because Jesus was a heck of a talker. I mean, this guy spoke like nobody else ever spoke before. They couldn't get him. The Pharisees had a hard time getting him. And they sent him and their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the one person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? See, what they're trying to do here is they're trying to entangle Jesus in some tricky questions. They're like, well... Well, you know, let's go ahead and cite some rioting here. You know, so is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Because in these days, if you were, the Israelites hated paying taxes to Rome. They hated it. It was despised by them. They did not want to do it. They were a very proud people, and they took pride in who they were. And the fact that they had to pay taxes to an outside ruler, you know, just kind of ticked them off. So here the Pharisees are trying to rile up the crowd by asking Jesus, well, should we pay taxes to Caesar? You're knowing there's really not a great way to answer it, but Jesus comes back with a good answer. 
But Jesus perceived their wickedness. And this is in verse 18 now. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So just picture yourself, Jesus holding out his hand. Show me the tax money. Come on, give it to me. Freaking hypocrites. Come on. So you picture somebody grabbing down their tax money there and they plop it down on Jesus' hand and he, he he holds it up and he says, so they, and this picks it back up on the second part of verse 19. So they brought him a denarius. What is a denarius? That was just the, 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 the currency of the time. Replace that with dollars if you want in your head to make more sense. And he said to them, whose image and descriptions on it? So he's holding up the coin and he's like, whose face is on this coin? Obviously in America, you know, we got our presidents on there, other noble people. And he's asking them, he's like, whose face is on this coin? And they said to him, oh, Caesar's, duh. It's Caesar's, it's Caesar's head. Caesar's head's on the coin. And that's when Jesus said to them, here in verse 21, and he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So this is Jesus talking about monetary stuff again. And this is the point where I'm getting at is should we give under grace, and it's going to build up uh, with this next verse coming up, but I wanted to kind of put it in context of you. Jesus talks about giving. Jesus talks about paying taxes. So let's go ahead and move into the next part where it talks about it in Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. All right, Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. All right, so this is where Paul is talking about submitting to the government. All right, so let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For he is God, minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. For because you think this also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, and fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So what Paul's really laying out here is he's just kind of given the guideline on how we should treat government in giving taxes. It's not really hitting up on the tithe thing like we were looking at before, but more so how we pay our taxes. But that can go in the same genre or area of tithing. Because once again, if as we solidified, tithing was not an offering to God directly per se like an offering is, but more so a tax on what is due, what we owe, something that funds something else, you know. And if your church wants to look at it that way, as in you will pay a tithe because that tithe helped funds the church as opposed to offering, well, we can tackle that in this episode here. So keep your pants on. We're coming. 
ultimately, I showed you a whole bunch of stuff that talked about tithing. It talked about giving the government, which would go in the same area, genre, whatever you want to call it. Now we're going to go into what Paul says in the Corinthians about how we should give today. This is how we should give to the church today. And you can find this in 2 Corinthians chapters 9, verses 6-7. through 7. Short little message, but perfect. The cheerful giver is what uh, people like to call this little passage. But this I say, he who sh- sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes, in his heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every work as it is written. He has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, this is that classic passage that a lot of prosperity gospel likes to use, in their message about sowing and reaping. You know, you're going to reap what you sow. You sow lots of seeds, you're going to reap lots of seeds. Don't get confused with the message, all right? Now, it's not necessarily always talking about financially. It could be talking about something else. But yes, you can apply this financially. But the main thing that we need to get out of this is God loves a cheerful giver. So, When your church is up there and they are telling you that you need to give to the church, they're wrong. They're wrong. If you are giving grudgingly, as Paul says, that's feeling like you have to. That's giving when you really don't want to give. That's wrong. And when church gets up there and they tell you, you need to give money to us or else your finances won't be straight. That's wrong. That's not correct. That's not good theology. That is taking what the Bible is saying and twisting it. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, those churches do need money to survive. Those churches need money in order to pay the staff, pay the pastor, pay the facility, pay the bills, just like we got to do. But they should not be forcing you into doing it or making you feel bad into doing it. One, because it's not good for you. Bible says clear as day, and I am all about the sufficiency of Scripture. So if I'm wrong on this, please, by all means, figure out a verse, write me, and call me out on it. My 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 email is uh, tim underscore echo 123 at yahoo.com. Yeah, I'll, I got to change that at some point in time. But please, write me on it if you really do have some knockout verse that you think totally dismisses everything I'm saying here. But you, as a church, should not tell people to give. You should not tell them that they have to give. You can explain to them, if you want, why it's good to give and that God loves a cheerful giver, but you shouldn't get up there and say, if you give me this money, God's going to bless you in a billion different ways. Okay? Because yes, God does bless you, but he's not always going to bless you financially. You might give financially. He's not always going to bless you financially. That's not what the verse says. Okay, so we need to be careful 
when we're going over this and we're talking about this from the pupil to the pew standpoint. And you in the pew, do not give to your church because you feel like you have to. Give because you want to. Give because you want to. Don't give because you're, you're hoping God, if I give God my whole paycheck, he is going to take that paycheck and triple it and give it back to me. No, it's not written anywhere like that. God's going to bless you if you give cheerfully, if you give happily, if you give willingly, and it might not always be financially. It might be in a form of another blessing. We don't really know. But a lot of places will tell you that it's financially. I here tell you what, I sat in a church one time uh, when I was in stationed at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I went to this church and I was just going to try it out. One of our friends invited us. We went there, my wife and I. We sat down and they were giving us number amounts of money saying, if you give this much money, I can't remember how much it was. It was a crazy, it was a lot. It was way more than I was making. <laughs> They're like, if you give this much money, you're going to get this much rewards in heaven. If you give this much money, which was another insane number, even bigger, you're going to get this much rewards in heaven. You know, that's wrong. That's wrong. Where does the Bible tell that? Where does the Bible say that? Nowhere. They're feeding you a false gospel. Do not believe it. If it's not in the Bible, and I'll say this a million times over again, if it is not in the Bible, you cannot preach on it as being biblical. If you want to draw logical conclusions, you want to make inferences, that's cool. Make sure you put it out there that you're drawing an inference or you're drawing a logical conclusion from something. So that way people can go back and read it for themselves. But do not preach something that is biblical that is not biblical. Don't preach something that is biblical that is not biblical. I'll say it again. Because, man, you're doing the worst thing you could possibly do. You are adding to the Bible. And the Bible says anybody that that changes this word or twists it, curses it, you know, uh, whatever the case may be, adds to it, takes away. You know, Paul makes it very clear. Let them, God, he said, you know, God will say, let them be accursed. Let them be an anathema. Let them be cursed. Think about that. You don't want to get cursed by God. It's got to be one of the worst things in the world. You do not want to be cursed by God. I don't want to be cursed by God, and I don't even want to think about it. So don't let these people tell you that you have to give because then you're going to give grudgingly. Give because you want to give. Give with a cheerful heart. Okay, well, hopefully we answered some of the questions on tithing using the biblical backgrounds and the biblical sources here. Uh, Just don't, once again, please don't take my word for it. Go back in the scriptures, do your studies, look for yourself because I can't tell you what the Spirit's telling you. I can only try my best to interpret what the Spirit's telling me when I read the Word. So please go in there, read it, let the Spirit tell you what's going on, and then you make a choice on it. Ultimately, that's on to you. Now, I do want to go into a couple small facts on maybe trying to nudge you in the right direction of how you should feel about this. Because I'm not going to lie, there was a point in time in my life I was not making a lot of money. And I was just like, well, God set it on my heart for me to only give 1% this month. So that's all I'm going to give. You know, I think that was a horrible attitude because one, uh, I could afford way more than 1% of my income. And I think I was just telling myself that God put it on my heart because I just didn't want to give, you know. Uh, and that was the a bad, I'm not saying, 
Now, me giving in that situation, yeah, I would have been giving grudgingly. But at the same time, that's not the attitude that we should have as Christians. We need to change our attitude of giving. We shouldn't be out in this controversial stance of tithing's Old Testament. I only give offerings and I only give what's on my heart. And my heart tells me 0.5% of my income every month. You know, don't, that's a horrible attitude. Go back to what I was saying in the beginning where these Israelites were given like 20% of their, their, their life, you know, their, their income, their crops, whatever the case may be. They're given like 20 some percent of it and they were poor. They didn't have iPhones and iPads and they weren't super rich. You know, these guys were hard blue collar laborers, barely scraping through to make ends meet. And they were given 20%. Can we say that about ourselves? Can, can we? You know, there, there, there was a, uh, a funny message. And I go back to this preacher I was talking about earlier, John Barnett. Um, he said a very famous pastor that he used to work under told him, he's like, well, I hate legalism. If you don't know what legalism is, it's... Uh, that, just Google it. They, they can explain it better for you. But uh, look up legalism. He's like, I hate legalism. So I give 11% because, you know, everybody thinks the church is telling you that you have to give 10%. He's like, well, I give I give 11%. Well, this pastor was like, okay, well, um, I'm going to do the same thing because I respect you and I think that's cool. So he started giving 11% and then he agreed with his wife, John Barnett I'm talking about. He agreed with his wife saying, well, we're going to raise it 1% every month until we're pretty much capped out. Like we can only afford the bare necessities, you know, food, bills, whatnot. Um, and, and we'll keep doing that. And that's the way that he got his policy on giving. And what did he do though? He talked about it with his wife and they prayed before God on it to put it in their heart of what they wanted to give. And that worked out for them. And that's ultimately what I'm getting out, uh, trying to get out there to you is you need to pray on it. You need to pray on it, on what you want to give. You know, don't make a rash decision. Don't do it on impulse because the Bible talks badly about doing things on impulse like that. You want to pray about it and you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing and you are giving cheerfully. Then I'll tell you what I do, my wife and I do, you know, I'll sit there and I'll pray. I'm like, Lord, you know, please sit in our heart what you want us to give and we'll give it and we'll give cheerfully. Uh... But like I was saying, just keep in mind those Old Testament Jews, they were given like 20-some percent, and they barely had anything compared to what we have. There was a Gallup poll out there, and I'm not trying to push you in any direction. I just wanted to throw some facts out here. There was a Gallup poll that was done. Uh, I think it was like 2014. I didn't really write it down. Uh, that said the average churchgoer, and this is churchgoers admitting this, the average churchgoer gives about 1% to 2% of their income. One to two percent. These poor Israelites were given like 20, and the average churchgoer gives about one to two percent. I think we can definitely afford a little bit more than one to two percent. I mean, just think about it in this term. You know, we, we, a lot of us have credit cards. A lot of us might have credit cards that aren't paid off, that we have debt stacked up. You know, it's pretty easy for us to go out and buy excess desserts, go out to dinner, do this, do that. If we start adding up all the money that we spend, you know, it can be kind of astronomical. I'm sure anybody that's ever sat down there and added up all their expenses can tell you like, wow, I was kind of surprised I spent this much money on these things. And then compare that to what you give for church. I guarantee you there's some room in your, in your, in your 
income and your finances that you can make some room for a decent contribution to your church. So before I get too far off track, where should you give then? Well, obviously, as the Bible teaches, you should give to the place that feeds you. All right. And when I say feeds you, that's spiritually feeding you. Uh, so you should give to the church that you're going to, unless you are still in between churches. And even if you don't, give to places that feed you spiritually outside. Uh, me personally, since I'm in the military, I do not have a stable church that I go to all the time. I do in certain duty stations. Like right now, I go to a place called Christ Wayne de Ritter. And it's a wonderful little non-denominational church. I say little, but it's actually kind of big, especially for this area. Um, but I go to that church. And it feeds me, so I give there. I also listen to multiple preachers online all the time. And the ones that I consistently listen to, you know, I will give to those. That's just an example. I'm not saying to go and off and do this. I really want to make a fine line there. Do not do something because I'm telling you what I do and you taking it as in, oh, I need to do this because he said he does this. No, I'm just giving you an example. Ultimately, as I said earlier, you need to pray on it. You need to pray about it, especially with your significant other. If you're, you know, you and your wife or your husband, whoever's listening to this, uh, you need to pray on it together and see what God sets in your heart that you can give, what you can afford to give, and what you can cheerfully give. Because ultimately, that's the main thing that I want you to get out of this. Be the cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. All right, well, let's go ahead and pray this out because I think I kicked this dead horse long enough. All right, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for letting us come together on this podcast. And I do pray that everyone listening, and even back to myself, Lord, that you just, you know, we want to be able to give to you. We want to give to you the way you want us to give, and, you know, cheerfully and happily as your word says, Lord, because we know your word is how you talk to us. Please, Lord, you know, uh, have the Spirit set in on our hearts what we should be giving to these places that feed us, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for everything that you do. In God's will, always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.